Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. What's your legacy? Miami-Dade residents produce six pounds of trash daily. Much of that is plastic and will remain in our environment long after we're gone. Be part of the solution. Eliminate single-use plastic. More at miamidade.gov slash plasticfree305. Welcome back, everybody, to Rams Up, your favorite L.A. Rams podcast. You can also follow us on YouTube. We've got some great video content. Our YouTube handle is at L.A. Rams Up. You can follow us on Instagram as well. I'm your host, Mark. Let's get to it. Welcome back, everybody. Episode 191 of Rams Up here for you. Last week, we talked about the betting lines as far as win totals for all of the AFC teams, and I gave you four picks that I was going to roll with. This episode, we're going to talk about NFC win totals and how I feel about those. Have some picks for you there, too. Haven't had a lot of sports pet peeves to share. Kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel here. I have one at the end of this episode Just running out of sports pet peeves, but this one I feel strongly about more of an annoyance than anything else, but I'll share that with you. Let's get through some Rams news and notes here. DeAndre Hopkins released by the Cardinals. See where he ends up. I have a feeling it'll be with the AFC team. At least I hope so. A lot of people talking Bills and possibly the Ravens. And what does that mean for the Cardinals? Well, just weakens a team that's really in a downward spiral. You know, I've said in the past that this time of year, virtually every team has a shot at the playoffs, meaning every team has a shot at getting to the Super Bowl. 
you know, I think it may be down to 31 teams at this point. The Cardinals look like they're in really bad shape. But you know what? No team's going to be a gimme. Hopefully the Rams can get two wins against the Cardinals this year. But once the games get rolling, anything can happen. We all know that. And by the way, speaking of free agents, Hopkins joins four former Rams that are still on the free agent market. Two cornerbacks, Marcus Peters and Troy Hill. Leonard Floyd is still out there, as is John Johnson. I'm still a little worried about the Rams' cornerback situation, so hey, maybe they bring Troy Hill back. Marcus Peters is probably going to be out of their price range. I'm going to share some Ram ruminations with you. What are other people saying about the Rams? Mike Martz saying that the Rams' offense will make a big jump, get back into the top 10 offenses in the league. And really, I think what Mike is saying is, Last year was an anomaly due to all the things that happened, especially along the offensive line. And the Rams should return to something close to their normal production under Sean McVay, and that would put him in the top 10 for sure. And I think he's right. This offense has a lot of potential. Now, a couple episodes ago, I had Scott Richmond on, and we kind of thought Michael Hoyt was going to return to a defensive line role but someone corrected me on the YouTube channel saying Jordan Rodrigue had noted that Hoyt has slimmed down and he is an outside linebacker and anyone that wants his job, come and get it. So I stand corrected on that for now, at least. Hoyt still in the mix as an outside linebacker slash edge rusher. Mike Lombardi. You know, I did a Mount Rushmore of Ram haters. There's a few obvious choices. Terry Bradshaw, Mike Florio. And maybe Lombardi belongs on that. He was the one that criticized the Rams' strategy of trading away their first-round picks. If I recall correctly, basically calling Les Snead and the Rams irresponsible for their approach. This was, of course, before they won the Super Bowl. Earlier this year, he said the Rams would love to trade Matt Stafford. Don't know where he got that. Don't know if there's any truth to it, but I doubt there is. And then on a recent podcast, calling the Rams atrocious. The Rams will be atrocious, he says. Hey, maybe they will, but I think it's a little early to come to that conclusion. Bill Barnwell of ESPN ranked all the NFL teams with respect to their off-seasons. The Rams came in 31st. This was an ESPN Plus article, so I did not read it, not paying for that. And I can get how you can call the Rams off-season a little disappointing, But let's take into account they did have 14 draft picks. And I'm guessing that if Barnwell could have advised the Rams on their strategy going into the 2023 draft, he probably would have said, accumulate as many picks as you can, increase your chances on hitting on a couple of them. And that's what the Rams did. 14 picks. So you got to give them some points for that as far as their offseason goes. Free agency, really A lot of people going out the door, nobody coming in. I get it. But adding 14 picks, clearing cap space, Rams took a step in the right direction to recover and head back to the Super Bowl, hopefully sooner rather than later. And by the way, Barnwell is the same guy who ranked the Seahawks offseason last year as the worst. And the Seahawks returned to the playoffs. Cliff Jackson of SB Nation had a nice article, and it aligned almost exactly with how I feel about the Rams. They still have a nucleus of good talent, especially on offense. They got a lot of young, hungry players, 
And if a few guys step up on defense especially, this could be a pretty good team. And I agree 100% with his article. Go check it out. Cliff Jackson of SB Nation. He's basically echoing my opinion perfectly. So if you want to know how I feel about the Rams, go read his article. Devontae Adams ranking the top five receivers in the NFL, and he ended up giving us seven. He called himself number one. Justin Jefferson and Tyreek Hill, two and 2B. Stephon Diggs, three, who would actually be four if you have two number twos. Calvin Ridley, then Mike Evans and C.D. Lamb, and no Cooper Cup. And, you know, I'm not going to get spun up about that. There are so many great receivers and Cooper Cup did miss half of last season, so I get it. But Calvin Ridley, I don't know. I think I'd have Cooper Cup above Calvin Ridley, and that's all I'm going to say about that. The Rams OTAs continuing, and two things that I'm getting out of it so far. Matthew Stafford is, looks lean and mean, and his arm looks fully recovered. Really excited about it, what he can do behind a replenished, not really replenished. They've added one guy, a lot of guys coming back from injury. I'm excited about how Matthew Stafford is going to do behind this remodeled offensive line. Can we call it that? I think he's going to have a terrific year. And the other thing we're learning, we're getting this from all over the place. If you read an article that alludes to a player, a rookie that is flashing and is looking really promising in Rams camp, you're going to click on that article and it's going to be all about Puka Nakua. Really excited about him and some of those Rams veterans. Mentioning Puka without being prompted, that's a good sign. And I've been looking at more and more film of this guy. He looks really promising. Exactly what the Rams need. Kind of a bigger wide receiver, a thicker wide receiver, great hands, can block, can run the jet sweep, wins contested balls. He really shined at the senior bowl practices, and that's probably what caught the Rams' eyes. Probably what pushed them towards drafting him in the fifth round there. Puka Nakua, really excited about this guy. So the kickoff rule. Everyone's really excited about that. Not so much, really. I don't know if I've seen anyone supporting this league decision. Fair catches inside the 25-yard line on kickoffs. A lot of people commenting, the return game will be so unimportant. It's going to change how rosters are made up. And I disagree because punt returns will still be critical. And punt returns are much more important than kickoff returns, in my opinion, Teams are not going to totally disregard the return game. Yeah, punt returners are a little bit different than kickoff returners. I don't think it's going to have that big of an impact on roster makeup or the number of guys that are on teams strictly for their special teams contributions. Teams will still try to return shorter kicks. Doesn't mean they're going to automatically fair catch them. I imagine if you did deplete your special teams units because of this rule, the opponents will return kicks against you. But teams probably are going to try fewer pooch kicks. That's probably true. But from a Rams perspective, and I'm going to be very selfish here because that's all I really care about. What's the impact on the Rams? As a fan, I'm happy that they will probably be starting at the 25 more often than in the past. You know, when I'm watching a game, <laughs> I'm a worry wart when I watch the Rams. And I'm more than happy when the other team takes a knee in the end zone or lets the ball fly out of the back of the end zone. 
And to be quite honest, I'm more than happy to see the Rams do the same. I have no problem with the other teams starting at the 25, and that's where I'd like the Rams to start every drive as well. If memory serves me correctly, it seems like the Rams end up inside their 20 more often than their opponents due to silly penalties. Hey, just fair catch it. Don't hold anybody. Let's get the ball to 25 and we'll roll from there. And the Rams kickoff return game has been nothing special. In 2022, Brandon Powell averaged 20 yards on returns. His longest was 34 yards. In 2021, Tutu Atwell, Brandon Powell, and J.J. Koski combined for 18 returns. The longest was 32 yards. Powell had a decent average, 26 yards, but the other two were under 20 yards. Jake Funk, Sony Michelle, and Ben Skowronik also returned kicks that year. As far as the Rams' coverage on kickoffs, I don't even know if we can look at past data because we're bringing in a new kicker, possibly two different guys that could kick off, actually. But we got the rookie punter who I'm thinking is going to boom the ball out of the back of the end zone, and I'd be more than happy if the Rams took that approach. By the way, in 2022, the Rams were second in the league in kickoff touchback percentage and ninth in 2021. I think that trend will continue Just boom it out of the back of the end zone. Let them start at the 25. I'm okay with that. The other rule change is this flex rule for Thursday games. I identified a bunch of games that could be flexed out of that slot, one of them being the Rams game, and the Rams voted for that. And I went back and looked. The Rams are 5-2 on Thursday nights under McVay, just 4-3 in the games following that Thursday night game where they have 10 days rest. That's surprising and disappointing when you consider it's well under McVeigh's overall win percentage. I'm guessing McVeigh would just as soon not play a Thursday night game with a short preparation time, even if it gives him extra days to prepare for the following game. A closer look at those seven Thursday night sequences under McVeigh in 2017, they beat the Niners and then 10 days later beat the Cowboys In 2018, they beat the Vikings and then 10 days later beat the Seahawks. In 2019, they lost to the Seahawks and then lost to the 49ers. In 2020, a win over the Patriots followed by, oh, that dreadful loss to the Jets. One of the more costly and disappointing losses that I can remember for the Rams. In 2021, they beat the Seahawks and followed that with a win over the Giants. In 2022, a loss to the Bills. That was that opener, and they came back and beat the Falcons. And remember, that was the game they almost gave away at the end. Really sloppy fourth quarter for the Rams. And then in that same year, 2022, they beat the Raiders in that crazy game and followed that with a loss to the Packers. Next up, we'll get into the NFC win totals and which way I'm leaning over or under The teams that I think are oversold or undersold, I'll identify one from each division, and then we'll wrap things up with a sports pet peeve. Hi, this is Mariah from Rams Up. Don't forget to like and subscribe. What's your legacy? Miami-Dade residents produce six pounds of trash daily. Much of that is plastic and will remain in our environment long after we're gone. Be part of the solution. Eliminate single-use plastic. More at miamidade.gov slash plastic-free 305. 
last episode, I went through the AFC and I identified one team from each division that I would make a bet on one way or the other as far as their posted win totals over or under for each of these teams. What were the results of that last week? I took the over on the Buffalo Bills, 10.5 wins. I took the over on the Steelers, over 8.5 wins. I took the over on the Kansas City Chiefs, over 11.5. That's right. And I took the under on the Jags, under 9.5. This week, I'm going to do the same for the NFC. So let's get into it. Now, as I mentioned last episode, when I used the term unique opponents. What I'm talking about is the unique opponents each team has within their division. For example, the Commanders, Cowboys, Eagles, and Giants all play the AFC East, the NFC West, and each other, of course. And then they all have three unique games. They all play someone from the NFC North, the NFC South, and the AFC West. And as I look through these opponents, I think the Eagles are making out good because they get the Bucks, the first place team from the NFC South. And if there's a team that's going to regress this year, it's going to be the Bucks and the Eagles draw them. And that's very beneficial to them. They also get the Vikings and Chiefs, of course, and the Vikings may be a little bit down as well. And the Giants, you know, they get the Packers and the Raiders. They could both be taking a little step back as well. But I do not feel good about the direction the Giants are going. I think they have some issues. Saquon Barkley, is he going to get paid after Daniel Jones got paid? They have some issues. What are the win totals for these teams? The Eagles, 10.5. The Cowboys, 9.5. I think that's pretty spot on. The Giants, 8.5. That's only one better than the Rams. And you know everybody was all over the Giants last year. And the Commanders, seven and a half, the same as the Rams, who we'll get to a little bit later here. And I'm taking the over on the Eagles, ten and a half wins. This team got to the Super Bowl last year, and I think they're still pointing up. They had a really good draft. This is a good football team. Good offensive line. The quarterback just seems to be getting better and better. I remember, he was playing with a hurt arm or hurt shoulder at the end of last year, and they still got it done. I'm taking the over on the Eagles. Let's look at the NFC North. So these teams play the AFC West and the NFC South. Kind of a trade-off there. The Bears get the Browns, Cardinals, and Commanders. That's a pretty good draw for the Bears. The Lions get the Ravens, Seahawks, and Cowboys. Ouch. The Packers get the Steelers, Rams, and Giants. I think the Steelers and Rams will both be better than people think. Giants will not. And then the Vikings get the Bengals, 49ers, and Eagles. So what do we have on the win totals? Interestingly, the site I used, the Lions are the only team without a half-win increment. They're over and under is nine wins. Vikings, eight and a half. Packers and Bears, both seven and a half. So you'd think the Bears would be lower than 7.5, but they've accounted for that draw, the Browns, Cardinals, and Commanders, and the Packers. Kind of the same thing. The Packers, 7.5 seems about right. 9 for the Lions seems pretty square. The Vikings, over 8.5, though, they got that first-place schedule, and they get no breaks here. The Bengals, 49ers, and Eagles. 
I'm taking the under on the Vikings. They're not getting the nine wins. So under on the Vikings, that's my bet for the NFC North. The NFC South, these teams play the AFC South and the NFC North. Pretty soft draw in that regard. Look at the win totals here. The Saints over nine and a half. That seems like a lot. Who are their unique opponents? The Rams, Giants, and Patriots. Eh, fair to middling there. The Falcons and Panthers, both seven and a half, and the Bucks, six and a half. I didn't feel strongly about those last three at all. They're kind of spot on. The Saints, though, with Derek Carr. I don't know. I just do not have a good feeling about them. The Saints are one of those teams that always seem to get it together and play good football, especially on defense. But I'm taking the under on the Saints. I think they get to nine wins. I don't feel real strongly about it, but if I had to pick one out of this division, that would be my pick, the under on the Saints. Now let's get to our favorite division, the NFC West. These teams play the AFC North and the NFC East. The 49ers, again, get a break. They take on the Bucks and the Vikings and the Jags. All three of these teams, I suspect, are going to underperform this year. So the 49ers will benefit from that. But their over total is 11.5 wins. So I'm not going over on that, despite the fact they have those weak, unique opponents. The Seahawks at 8.5. And I think that's about right. Their unique opponents are the Panthers, Lions, and Titans. Fair to middling there. Not sure what we're getting with the Panthers and Titans yet. Lions will be pretty good, but I'm not touching that eight and a half. The Cardinals at five and a half. They just released DeAndre Hopkins. Their unique opponents, though, the Falcons, Bears, and Texans. So I'm kind of torn on that. I'm probably not touching it. I'm tempted to go over, but if any team's rebuilding, it's the Cardinals. And if any team's tanking for Caleb Williams and possibly Marvin Harrison as well, because they own the Texans pick, it would be the Cardinals. They don't have a lot to win for, let's put it that way. And then you have the Rams at seven and a half. Their unique opponents, the Saints, Packers, and Colts. I like the Rams' chances of getting over seven and a half. So that's my pick in the NFC West, the Rams over seven and a half. Surprise, surprise. I kind of feel about the Rams this year the same way I felt about the Seahawks last year. Everybody thought the Seahawks were going to be so horrible. They have a great coach. They have a really strong culture and they had a good draft. And you know what? You can say the same thing about our Los Angeles Rams. They're going to get over seven and a half wins. That's my bet there. So in summary, over on the Eagles, 10.5, under on the Vikings, 8.5, under on the Saints, 9.5, and and over on the Rams, 7.5. You heard it here. You have the receipts. If I nail these, we're going to talk a lot about it at the end of the season. If I don't, it'll be the last you ever hear of this. It's been a while since I've done a sports pet peeve. used to be a regular segment I did. And to be frank, I'm really just running out of them. Uh, My sports pet peeves have ran the gamut from football to baseball, basketball, golf. I feel like I've almost covered all of them, but I do have a new one for you. And this has to do with those NFL trade clickbait stories 
that are popping up almost on a daily basis. I'm finding them really annoying. And they all have a very similar headline. It has something to do about a rumor, an NFL rumor. Hey, check out this NFL rumor, the Cardinals, but a baker to the commanders. And the problem with these headlines is they're misusing the term rumor to begin with. These aren't rumors. A rumor is something that is getting circulated as a story or report, but the truth of it is somewhat uncertain or in doubt. We all know what a rumor is. These aren't rumors. These aren't rumors at all. These are trades concocted by some guy in his mom's basement, and he posts it to some random website, something like, hey, Cardinals defensive back, but a baker to the commanders. And then you click on it, learning not to, but you click on it, and the gist of the article was simply that Bud Baker wants a trade, and the commander's secondary is a work in progress. And someone else picks it up as an NFL trade rumor, and us fans, we get all excited about it. We think, oh, what's going on here? Bud Baker to the commanders? No. Someone has decided that, hey, wouldn't this trade be cool? It's not a rumor at all. It's just basically a made-up story. And these larger media outlets pick it up. SI.com is really bad about this. They pick them up all the time, and they post it almost every time as a NFL trade rumor. Just in the past week, we saw the Bud Baker one. And then there's another one, Chargers division rival favorite to trade for Austin Eckler. And this is an SI writer listing four teams as best fits for Eckler. They're his favorite. They're not, they're not anyone else's favorite. Huge Austin Eckler trade to city rival rumor. And this is an NFL columnist from heavy.com listing the Rams as a possible suitor. Are the Rams interested in Austin Eckler? Probably not. Well, actually, sure. You're interested in every talented football player, but are they actively pursuing a trade for him? Absolutely not. At least there's no evidence of that. But hey, we got a rumor for you. Here's another one. Austin Eckler traded to Eagles, L.A. drafts Addison, and more rumors. And you read the article, and there's nothing about any of that. It's just a clickbait headline. Another one. NFL Insider links Bucks to Austin Eckler. This link was an NFL insider, using the term loosely, again writing for Heavy.com, saying, hey, no trade in the works. No indication the Bucks are actually pursuing Eckler, but hey, it could work if the Bucks had a desire to make that happen. Seriously, you're basically saying there's nothing here to look at, admitting that, but hey man, it could work. It could really work well for the Bucks. There was one on Reddit on the Los Angeles Rams forum. Hey, rumor, Rams trading for Joe Mixon, something to that effect. And same thing, no truth to it, not happening, just more clickbait. And then lastly, NFL trade rumors. Should Rams trade for Matthew Stafford air? And this is to some dude proposing the Rams trade for Matt Corral. No indication the Rams are doing that. This is not a rumor. This is just someone saying, hey, this young quarterback would be a good addition to the Rams quarterback room and actually... It's preposterous after drafting Stetson Bennett that they would do that. But 
That's my sports pet peeve. These clickbait articles lead you to think that there is an NFL rumor there about a trade or something concrete about to happen with your team. Hey, the rumor is out there and you read the article and all it is is some writer in Pluxatomy, Pennsylvania throwing out an idea. Wouldn't this be a good move for my team? Nothing happening here. Everybody move on. No story. Have a great day. That's going to do it for this episode. Remember, you can reach us at ramsuppodcast at gmail.com. Visit our website at ramsup.com. And don't forget about our YouTube channel. Our handle is at laramsup.com. Till next time, keep the horns up, stay safe, and have fun out there. Music courtesy of the YouTube Audio Library. Tracks featuring Bar Crawl by Track Tribe. Buckeye Banzai by Vans in Japan and Crimson Fly by Hamama. What's your legacy? Miami-Dade residents produce six pounds of trash daily. Much of that is plastic and will remain in our environment long after we're gone. Be part of the solution. Eliminate single-use plastic. More at miamidade.gov slash plastic-free 305.